Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon. I know it's a little late for a typical PGA Championship preview, but when Scott Van Pelt agrees to jump on for a few minutes and the few minutes turn into 45, you say yes, absolutely. Let's get this out in any way possible. And so that's what you're listening to. Uh, Scott is one of the greatest guys in all of sports, and I'm excited to watch him over the next four days of this PGA Championship on both ESPN and CBS. I can't believe we have major championship golf. Finally, I am currently looking up to the sky because for some reason I believe that the heavens have something to do with golf. Uh, and sometimes they do, I think. Sometimes, mostly they don't. I, I sometimes look there and shake my fist when the ball doesn't go in for a hole-in-one, but that's a whole other story. PGA Championship week, very, very excited. I will be online all week, probably too much, if you will, um, on Twitter, at Shane Bacon, just following along and having a little bit of fun with it. And uh, and then on Sunday night, if you don't listen to my other podcast, Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon, we'll have a full reca- recap, including, obviously, you know, first-time experience from a guy in the field in Max. Uh, so that's that. Let's get to Scott. Back in the clubhouse, Scott Van Pelt over at ESPN. Scott has a, a podcast I mentioned last time he was on. It's called the SV Pod. And since this is a golf group, I just wanted to point people out uh, to a particular episode. Uh, it's titled Addiction Recovery Victory. And it was with Chris Kirk. And he did it a few weeks ago. And it's it's a, an unbelievably powerful episode. And if you haven't listened to it or if you don't subscribe to the podcast, do both of those things because it is a great, great listen. It was it was one of my favorite podcasts that I listened to kind of during the pandemic, Scott. I thought it was it was really, really unbelievable to listen to him open up. Well, thank you. And I mean, it was personal to me because, as I described in the conversation with with, um, with Chris, that, you know, my, I lost my father to to alcoholism. So I know what it is. And, um, I think that most people listening to he and I, and to you and I are, are, are either, you know, either in it or they're not too many degrees removed from it. And so just hearing him talk honestly about it and, and just about how he's managed it and how he's, uh, you know, dealt with it and, and came back and won. I don't know. I just, I loved it. And it was just, it's just cool. It's, it was neat that he was willing to be so, honest and, uh, and, and discuss it. So I appreciate you saying that. And, and, uh, you know, it was, so I, I don't, I hesitate to ever say anything you and I, or any of us in our field do is important because <laughs> mostly it isn't, but it, you know, it felt important because somebody might hear that that's in, in it and maybe they say, well, uh, let me try to get some help here. So I appreciate you talking about it. Yeah. When you go into, you do a lot of interviews and, and you even said this to open the, the, the chat with Chris and, and I'm assuming you record all those intros after you have the conversation with them. But, you know, you do a lot of interviews. You talk to a lot of different people in sports and, and outside of sports. When you get the feeling and you know this road, it's going to go down. How much, and I don't want to say you're not involved in the silly interviews and, and the ones that you're having fun with, but those conversations are the ones that you're, you yourself, as the interviewer, I just feel like your investment into it, you have personal experiences you already talked about. You know, you walk away from those as you, I mean, you said they're not important at times. You know, I feel like those are some of the most important things people listen to because it gives a look into the life of athletes that maybe we don't always talk about. We're talking about it more now than we ever did. But a lot of the times we look on the screen and go, I'd do anything to be this guy. You know, I'd be do anything to be mm-hmm. this girl. And it it really is 
I feel like it, it, it humanizes so many people when they are willing to, to be themselves in these interviews. And, and I can only imagine when you know it's going down that road, you know, it, it takes you to a new level as well. Sure, because it's it's and you you're right that more now than ever, people are OK saying what's not OK and, and more honest about that. And when you go into a conversation knowing what the ground you're going to cover is and knowing it is pretty heavy and that it's okay to be vulnerable, then if someone's willing to be honest and, and share his story, then I, I'm not afraid to share mine, particularly because it's, there's similarities there. So, you know, it's, uh, look, we're, we're lucky. We mostly get to talk about, about games and scores and all that stuff. And I enjoy that, but these are human beings doing it. Now they, they play a different version of, of the sport that you and I love than, than we are able to, and you more than me. Uh, but again, just to your point, here's a guy, you know, four time winner on tour, been in a president's cup team. Like he made it. He, he, he was living the life. And it's like, you know, and he's in a hotel like I'm in right now, staring at a mini bar and, you know, had to come to Jesus and good for him. Thank God he did. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to, analogize i've been trying really hard to figure this out how we went from zero sports to this i I feel like now especially on the west coast i know you're an east coaster and you're on the west coast this week but you know these basketball games are coming on at 10 a.m it feels like march madness to go from no sports to everything you have now especially for you who does a nightly show you know five days a week and i mean you have to talk about something what has your life been like since sports has returned and giving you, you know, all of the amount you can talk about and more at times? Well, I mean, it, it's I'm excited for it. I'm grateful uh, for it because we did 16 weeks of Sports Center after Gobert tested positive with no sports. And let me tell you, um, I mean, I don't want to meddle. <laughs> I don't want to meddle and I don't want anyone's pity. Uh, I, I, I steal money most of the time doing it, but you, we worked at it for, for those 16 <laughs> weeks. I'll assure you, we, we worked at it because my goodness, there's a, you know, I'm a BSer, but at some point you, you, you run out of that. Um, but I've been off, uh, this is the first time I've worked since early July. Cause typically this time of year, Shane, I, you know, I tap out after the, right after free agency in the NBA playoffs are done. So this is a scheduled break for me in advance of, um, I wouldn't have been working now. I'd still be off, but the PGA went from May to here and here I am. But when I get back, uh, from this event, um, uh, my family and I are actually moving back home to where I'm from in Maryland. And once the, the dust settles there, we'll be back at it with sports center from DC. And, uh, I'm just so grateful to have all of these different things. That, that's the, I guess that's the, the get back here, right? Is that for all that time, we didn't have anything and it's going to happen now in golf. Um, you didn't get any majors and now we're going to cram a whole bunch of big time stuff in a small window. And the idea that you've got, as you say, like noon tips in the NBA and, and early, uh, I Stanley cup playoffs are one of my favorite things every year. And, you know, as you and I talk right now, I'm watching some and, and you know, these, these, these bubbles, I give all the leagues, all the credit in the world. I give the PGA tour and Jay Monahan, all the credit in the world. They've, they figured it out and they've done collectively an exceptional job trying to do it. It's hard to do anything right now, but good on all of them for trying to get these, uh, these events in because people love the distraction. And, and certainly in, in my case, I mean, it's, it's what I do. So I'm grateful for anything. 
You mentioned golf specifically. Obviously, we're going to talk about the PGA Championship, but you know this is a cram schedule. Jim Nance earlier this week said, you know, he he calls this the greatest stretch of golf in the history of the game. We're about to embark on with this PGA Championship, and then you know, major after major after major. I believe this is the most anticipated major championship since the Tiger Slam potential at the Masters back in 01. I mean, does it feel like that there? I know there's no fans. I know people aren't out on the golf course all hyped up, but do you get the sense in meetings and talking to players and being out that they're at a new level of excited to get a major going considering all that's gone down the last few months? I do, and I think, I think Shane, I think we can, we can all get um, caught up in, in you know paying attention to ratings and I've always been one that says, like, if I do the show at midnight Eastern, and if we have a, a fun show, a good show, I, if if it rates well, great. But that doesn't mean it was a good show because it rates well. If a lot of people watch it and the show sucked, that's, that's a shame. We had, a, we had a lousy show and too many people saw it. Um, but what I'm getting at here is the, the PGA Tour has done, had a, um, a bunch of eyeballs on it. And I think you've got a lot of fun young players and you've got the guy that isn't the, doesn't move the needle. He is the needle. You got tiger back in a place where he's played well. And yeah, I mean, all of this is a, is a way to get to the sense. I think that everyone has, uh, look, we're here and I don't, I'm not saying we being the media make uh, ESPN or CBS, we make it a big deal, but we're all here. And we're all so excited to be here because none of us have been, you know, outside of Nance, like CBS's group hasn't been out on the road at all. Right. And they're all here. And so just, I think the fact that, that we're all kind of getting back to it and that this, and I'll say this, this golf course plays a big role in that. Honestly, I think there's a, there's a whole lot of respect for it and on a happiness that they get to be, you know, the stage, because as you'll hear, if you play like announcer bingo and you take a shot, every time someone mentions <laughs> that in 98, it was a parking lot for the U S open, you will be hammered. Um, <laughs> don't do that. That's, that's, that's what gonna, we're telling you. Don't that's do gonna that. Come up. That's going to come up. I mean, and it should, I just think it's a cool deal that, Hey, this golf course was kind of left to, to fall into disrepair, but now it's been shined up and is a major venue itself. So yes, all these things conspire to, to make it uh, a sense of, of real anticipation and excitement. And, um, and I think, I think this course is going to identify the kind of person that, that, you know, the, the major you'd want a major to, to sort of say, Hey, you're the guy this week. I, I don't see how it'll be anybody other than somebody that plays real good golf. And, and for you, a guy that does work at night, late night on the East Coast, going to the West Coast, having to do work super early in the morning, this is, you might as well have flown to Australia. I just feel like you're in total time <laughs> clock. I mean, I'm assuming now you're fine, but, you know, getting up at what time are you going to have to wake up on Thursday for 5, 6 a.m. to get going? I mean, it's going to be a oh, different. It'll be early. It'll be, well, it'll be early. I mean, look, we're. Between ESPN and ESPN Plus, man, we got we got first tee shot to last putt. We're if it's on, we're I mean, if they're playing, we're talking about them. So it'll be early, but you know the the one good thing about not having been doing a show for a while and having little kids, uh, and you know about it these days. I mean, you the, the days of sleeping in and whatever those are long gone. So it, it hadn't. I've actually been up early every day, which has been better uh, than you know. It, it, look, the alarm's going to go off early Thursday morning, but like so be it. I it, this is one of those. 
first night before school or night, uh, the night before the first day of school kind of deal where it's hard to sleep at all. Just cause you just like, let's go. Yeah. Lay, lay the outfit out and be ready to rock with it. And just have the tie already <laughs> tied a uh, Paul a Zinger style, you know, but Zing, yeah. by the way, Zinger <laughs> used to get our stat guy to tie his tie. He would always get that, uh, that was what he would do. And I'd always go, you know, you're Paul Azinger. You don't want to tie your tie. You got a, you got our guy over here doing it. But yeah, you talked about the, the time you guys are on air. I mean, I was going to uh, joke that you might have a cot in the booth. What is going to look different for you doing this, you know, with, you know, COVID and, and the pandemic and social distancing and everything you guys are doing personally for you? What's it going to look different than opens you've done in the past? And what will it look different for the viewer? watching from home that might see something that would have been that would have been different if the PGA obviously had been held when it was going to be held. Hopefully the goal, I, I think Shane would be that it won't feel much different at all. I mean, and I, that's what I've, that's what I've largely sensed from, from the work that uh, CBS has done. And they've done a really, really nice job because it hasn't, you know, it hasn't been this, like a, a glaring sort of, ooh, that feels weird or, or right. looks different. I mean, and luckily golf as a televised sport doesn't, li- I mean, sure, it was strange, like Memorial, for for example, like at Muirfield, not to have 20,000 pretty well-oiled people on that hillside <laughs> uh, watching Justin and Morikawa make those putts. I mean, it, it would have been a totally different scene with, with fans. But in terms of, of what will, the only real, the only real, I guess difference is that when we swap out with CBS, because we we work in conjunction with, uh, you know, Jim Nance will come into the tower when we vacate. There's a period of time there where everything that is at that desk is, is cleaned just to make sure, you know, we're following the, 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 the safest sort of protocols that are in place. So I guess there might be a chunk of time where, and I don't even know necessarily know how we do that line change, frankly. Um, but other than maybe a, a small window where there's announcerless golf or something, uh, I don't know how, and, and that probably won't, will, will be seamless as well, because I'm sure, you know, Sean McDonough and Bob Wischusen and Dave Fleming and the various towers will just continue on calling the golf. We could just swap about kind of one at a time, but I mean, I'm, you know, and you would get this cause you've done it, but I mean, you're, you're, you're in a tower on 18, you're looking up, you've got all the monitors, you've got all the computers. I mean, there's, there's nothing other than, you know, sitting a bit further apart from David, maybe than I would have otherwise, but it wasn't like he was in my lap in years past. <laughs> um, it, it should mostly be as it's been, I think. And I hope. Yeah, it's, it's been to your point earlier, it has been unbelievably comfortable watching sport. I feel like. Of the sports I've watched, baseball, just because of the stadiums, has felt maybe the least normal. The bad, the NBA thing is unbelievable. I I turned on a Laker game a couple days ago, and you know they have the they have the basically the logos and everything on the on the court. I thought I was watching an old game. I thought they had had some sort of delay or something. I mean that's how real the NBA has felt when we've got a chance to watch it. And golf, as you said. Outside of fans, you know, screaming and hollering and and baba booing, I mean, we're not really getting much different than what we've seen, and we're still getting unbelievable golf and great reactions. So it's been fun. The one thing I feel like we haven't seen is a lot of Tiger Woods. I mean, you know, he's there this week. We saw him play the Memorial. Have you got a chance to to talk at all with him? And where do you feel like he's at headed into the week? We uh, we chatted briefly on the on the putting green. Um, 
on Wednesday. And it, it's, it's so funny how, and I mean, we've known each other a long time. Uh, and you know, it's the same conversations I've had with David Duvall, who's going to be, uh, by my, uh, by my side, uh, 60, six feet apart, uh, in the booth, you know, when you've known each other for a long time, the conversations are, are just different. And so when I see him, like the conversation is, I ask him immediately, how's Charlie's swing? Cause <laughs> he wants to talk about his boys swing more than he, more than he's interested in talking about anything else. And you know, it's, it's immediately about families and how everybody's doing. And he was out there doing a like, little one-handed putting drill. He's got a different putter, which is always, you know, in his case, it's actually worth mentioning just because he's won about $8 billion with that <laughs> other Scotty. Um, but I mean, I, I, I wouldn't pretend to know. Uh, I, I didn't get into anything other than just how you doing and how you feeling. And, you know, it's, I mean, he's never in the history of me knowing him has never once been like, Oh, I feel like crap, but I'm going to shoot a hundred. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's always, it's always framed through a lens of everything's great, which is why to a degree, I don't even bother asking. Right. Um, I, I think really he's the, he's the wild card of the whole thing because who the hell knows when you got a back that's, that, that, isn't is fused together and you're out here and let me tell you it is cold man it's that san francisco cold that gets in you and you can't get can't get loose and you just feel like it's in your bones and the wind's blowing and it's hard to get loose and we saw it impact him i think last year three of the major championship venues um you know as opposed to say memphis where it's a 95 and you can just you know three swings and you're good so I haven't got a clue what to reasonably expect now, like most courses he's played in his, in his, you know, incredible career, he's got history here. You know, he's he, most places other in Riviera. I think that's the only place I can think of where he's played a bunch and had one, you know, he's one here. So, okay, cool. But that was a long time ago, right? you know, so different golf course, really. It was, it really was. I mean, a lot, a lot, the routing's different. Um, a lot about it's different. And yet, and again, you'd know this better than me as a, as a player. I think when you show up somewhere where you've played well, or, or in his case, won, I mean, whether the routing's different, or you've still won here. You know what I mean? Like, you've got a frame of reference that nobody else has got other than Rory, uh, and he won here when it was a match play. So, um, you know, I, I, this is just a lot of words where I could just say, man, I don't know. I really don't know what to <laughs> expect, because I don't. And in in a way... It's intriguing. I think it actually makes it more interesting. If Tiger would have played five events and we'd have seen the good and the bad and the ugly from him coming in, we'd have gone, well, we'll, we'll kind of know after Thursday. And I feel like this is almost like 2010 Masters where, A, you're just excited that he's out on the golf course again. And mm-hmm. B, you, I feel like, you know, reading Bob out there doing a great job for you guys on the website and and following him through the weekend and all the prep that looks like has gone into the golf course. To me, it looks like a tiger that is circling some events, knowing that if the good tiger shows up, he's got a real good chance to win a couple of majors in 2020 when it maybe looked like we weren't going to have majors at all. Well, I don't know if I agree about having a real good chance, but I agree for sure that he's, he's clearly, clearly rationing you know, the powder, he he wants to have as much dry, as much dry powder as he can have for the events that he, that he cares about. And it's just my sense. This is not an informed uh, opinion, but it's my sense that 
there are no events, including the FedEx playoffs, because he doesn't need the money. There are really no events that matter to him other than here, uh, Wingfoot, and Augusta in, in November. Um, that's it. I mean, that's that's is in the playoffs again. They they really don't matter again to him. Um, so I, I I don't he wouldn't even be in him unless he played well this week. So um, yeah, I think I think that's it's the intrigue part though is, is spot on. Obviously, I mean he's he nobody else is like him. Yeah, he's the as you said he is the needle. A question I heard on a couple of my buddies' other golf podcasts on the Shotgun Start, they were talking about player that needs this the most is there someone that kind of pops into your brain as somebody that really needs a major title needs this major title maybe more than than everybody else in the field that's an interesting one i mean i mean i'll tell you a couple of names that immediately come to mind and need is 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 a is we could debate that the (laughs) definition of need i think i think spieth needs to play well on the weekend Right. Um, we've we've seen him shoot some really good Thursday Friday scores, really good, and then all of a sudden on the weekend he's real ordinary. And um, you know he went through that stretch where he made every twenty footer he looked at, not eight footer, twenty footer, and that does not continue. Um, and it's been it's you know I, I think you you get you get to a certain place where you win. I mean he look he's. He's one. He's this shy of the Grand Slam, right? So I don't say he needs this for the Slam. I'm saying he just needs to play well because he hasn't played well in the weekend in a while. And then I'm. I just wonder about Rory. I mean, at some point, you know, because he's won. He won the players because he won the playoff. And you're like, oh yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He he's won a big events, but he hasn't won a major since 14. And his good, as you know. Talk to anybody out there on the range. Like, if everybody played their absolute best, whose is the scariest? People tell you it's Rory. DJ would get a bunch of votes. Um, you know, Tiger, Prime Tiger, but I don't know that he's you know the same as he was when he was that guy. But people will say Rory at his best is spooky. When he hits it straight and starts making putts and starts that little bounce when he's walking off tees, man, he can run away. It's interesting with Rory is I feel like I mean you said it twenty fourteen is, you know. It's a storyline in golf that I almost feel like is lost. I mean, this guy is, I would say, I mean, I think arguably the the best player of this generation, kind of post Tiger, post Phil, and it's been a it's been a long time since he won a major title. And I feel like the two names you mentioned in Jordan Spieth and Rory, who are the one and two of this next generation, are almost kind of coming into this under the radar. I mean, the conversations are about Kepka, they're about Justin Thomas, and then everybody else and i feel like yeah. you know you're kind of losing the storyline of, of of a guy that could complete the career grand slam which is wild and it's not being talked about at all and then rory who could finally win another major what other what other names were said because I'm, I'm i'm interested in who like just i mean again maybe you know how you frame needs like you need one because you haven't won one or in the case of the two guys i'm talking about you haven't in a while like what other names came up well, I mean, Ricky is one that I feel like will constantly get thrown into this conversation. I mean, I know Ricky hasn't played his greatest golf in this return, but, you know, he's a guy that if he won a major would never get asked about it again. I mean, we've seen this with plenty of guys and, you know, Sergio was sure. was famous for this, that every major he went to, it didn't matter what he did to your point about Rory winning the players in the FedEx Cup. If Sergio done that, nobody would ask him about that. They would ask him, you know, is this the major you're finally going to do it at? 
And, uh, and so yeah. I feel like Ricky's always going to be the top answer to that question. And I thought another name that was thrown around that was very interesting is Tony Finau. I mean, it's not that he hasn't won a major, it's that he hasn't really won. And he's there every single weekend. And if he somehow picked off a PGA Championship, all of that he plays well until Sunday stuff goes away. Yeah, and, it's, and he was... And I and I have I have a real blind spot for Tony because I happen to think he's just the best dude ever. He's I love an unbelievable him. guy. Well, he's just such he's just such a good dude. And he was asked about it, and he was like, "God, oh, my scoring average actually like he he had some way to frame it positively, which doesn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, he he's way too good to to not play better. Um, I mean, he had that stretch. He was like four clear of, of Rom, and like in ten holes, he was five back. I was like, wait, what? Uh, he's he's too good not to not to break through and and the ricky thing i i actually spent some time with him on i don't remember what day it was monday i guess and i i said just without getting too technical how do you describe to me what it is you're trying to do because he's working on he's just working on trying to slow his hips down and everything with him is timing and he's trying to get it to a point where it's not as timed in his swing and i i i get it i i get messing with it to a degree but I also think that when you're as, as good as Ricky, I, I just, I just think, and you'd know, cause again, more than me, cause as a player, like trying to change anything's hard because I said, do you trust it yet? And he's like, well, I went from like no good rounds to a good round and then not a good round to like, I had really pretty three pretty good rounds in Memphis. I just had Saturday. I didn't make any putts. And then Sunday, it just got a bad start. But I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, you know, I think he's searching some, you know, you're trying to figure out, well, how can I get more consistent and making it less timing and more sort of the whole body rotation, um, was the way I understood it, uh, as he described it. But, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, until you win one, everybody's going to, going to pester you about it. I mean, and he frankly, I think needs to win more in general, right. you know, just for the star rep he has, he doesn't have as many wins as, as he, you know, as he could. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Well, somebody that hasn't played great in major championships thus far in his career, and somebody I'm very excited to ask you about, what was your first thought when you saw Bryson in person? What was your, what was, uh, what was the, what was like, what, what went through? Cause I mean, I know I can only imagine you were really excited about it. Cause I would be excited to see him in person. He's just enormous, man. <laughs> like it's just, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just. And I mean, like, I'm, I mean, I'm a big person. I'm, I, I'm, I'm six, six and I'm bigger than most, but like he's, he's big and like, uh, wow, that friggin' dude's big man. And the funny thing with him is, and like tour players are tour players. Like, you know, I, I can do what you can do. I mean, I had a player, I won't name him, but he's just like, have you seen the guy hit the driver yet? I said, I have not. And he says, just stick around. Like he says, it's a circus. <laughs> and I had another player as a walk in during a practice round. He goes, man, what he's doing, all credit to him, it's astounding. Like we were on the par five fourth. And when people watch this this week, it's a downhill 607 yard par five. And there's this big ass tree in the middle of the left hand part of the dog leg. And the guy said, he's going to hit it over that tree. And he <laughs> hoped he, he had hit a really good drive on the, on the hole. And he said, he'll be 70 yards beyond where I am right now. And he's a topic of conversation. Like guys are just blown away by what he's done. Uh, David Duvall, I'm sure is going to make this point in a telecast. He's like, he's proven that like increasing your swing speed is not a God given thing. It can be a learned slash taught thing. You can do it. 
he proved you can do it. Um, and so I waited patiently on the range to see the circus and he got all jammed up with his wedge and the path of his wedge and God only knows what <laughs> physics he was trying to figure out. And I finally had stuff to do. So I left. So I didn't see him hit the driver on the range, but I did see Dustin Johnson go through working on a little cut. And my God, if you've never seen him hit a driver in person, it is a different sound coming off the face of the club. So he's the guy I put his one, a to, to DeChambeau with that club, just as an aside. But what I, what I, I mean, look, I'm fascinated like anybody, because I'll tell you right now, there's, if he hits it straight out here, then he's got a chance to, to do what maybe only he can do. Uh, and that's like have little flip wedges into some long par fours and like have a seven iron into a 600 yard hole. If, if he's able to hit fairways, um, because he just, he does what no one else is doing. And, and I feel like, and, and you know this better than I, but what other sport can someone change the biggest macho factor there is? You know, you, you think about a football player that if you're a receiver, you're the fastest receiver. I mean, there's not really anything to make up for in speed. If you're the strongest linebacker in the league, you know, you're just stronger than everybody else. I mean, people are intimidated by your muscles and, and how big you are. And the hits you can put on people. Baseball, you know, if you're throwing at 102, you know, there's a guy that's throwing at 95. He's not hitting 102. He's just not. And I feel like in golf, and this guy in particular, he found a way to jump past so many guys that are known for their distance and become the longest hitter on tour. I mean, I don't know if this happens in other sports. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. It doesn't. And I think that's a great point. And the only, the only thing I could equate it to, and you started to, you touched on it about, about like, if you threw one Oh two, like no one's ever done what he's done in terms of increasing their distance off the tee by as many yards as he has ever. Um, I mean, he went, he increased his driving average by like 15 yards, um, in a year, which as again, on, on the top end, like maybe a yard or two, but not 15. Right. I mean, that's just, it doesn't make sense. And the only good thing I could say is if a guy like say a Roldis Chapman, like he can hit one Oh two, maybe one Oh three, depending on what the gun is. Well, if he shows up and all of a sudden, like he's hitting one Oh six, one Oh seven. Well, now you're doing things that, that aren't done. No, no one else can do. And it seems that DeChambeau has, has done that. Like, I guess he had the track man out the other day and, you know, said that his, he got his ball speed up to 202. And I, I think that's, <laughs> that's the threshold that he's trying to get to is like 200. But he also said the other day, Shane, he wants to live to be 130 I know, years I old. Know, I, know, I can't I think know. of anything that would be worse than that. All the people you care about will be dead and you just be a wrinkly old prune. <laughs> and, and you know what? We just went through 2020 and then you're probably going to have yeah. a couple more of those roll through as well. If you get to 130, I'm out. I don't want to do it. Give yeah. me like 85, no, 90 and healthy, and I'm pretty happy with that. I'd be good with that. I want to squeeze in some good years, enjoy the enjoy the ride. But, you know, at some point, you know, I'll get off the ride around before 130. I'm going to go ahead and get past the waiter for the bill. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out. You're a guy that, that loves uh, loves sport, loves rivalries. How bummed were you that we didn't get Kepka Bryson first two rounds? I thought we were gonna. I was convinced of it. I thought so too. I heard some chatter about too that you know that uh, you know. I, I mean, I never know for sure if what the 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 truth of it is. But I mean, I was I was under the impression. I'll just leave it like that. That 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 
that neither side had any issue with it. Like, fine, do what you want, put us together. But I mean, look, you, you put you put Kepka and Lowry and uh, Woodland together. I mean, you've got a uh, you've got a major championship pairing trio, and I, and I don't know what quibble you could have with that. Um, I think the I think it's great for golf that Kepka in particular is more than willing, uh, enthusiastic even to participate in the barbs back and forth. I mean, having a couple of young stars and one guy that's hitting it um, eight miles and the other guy that's like, yeah, I mean, I've got a pile of majors over here. Get, get at me when you you have one, when you can finish in the top 10 and one, he hasn't said that I'm saying he could, if he chose to, I, I think it's, I think that's fun. Like add a little WWE to the mix. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's good for the game to have, you know, a little, a little smack talk because God knows it happens in at every level of why shouldn't it happen at the highest level? You know, your your one of your jobs this week is to know info on the players and to be ready and, and schooled. I know you are. How much research is done on the PGA professionals and considering the amount of time you guys are going to be on television, do you have a plan to kind of show everybody the first two days, try to get everybody on the telecast at some point? Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's the, they're calling them the, the, the 20, like that's sort of the hashtag okay. and, and the, the, the way that we're framing it. Cause you've got 20 guys that are, that are PGA professionals that are in. And I, I've, I've talked to a bunch when they've been out there on the, uh, you know, during practice rounds, you know, that, that's, that to me, that's the most fun. Like to me, like I love Thursday through Sunday, don't get me wrong, but Monday through Wednesday, uh, particularly this week, cause it's just so different has been just great fun. You, you wander around, you meet, Met a guy from Maine. Met a guy that's the pro at Trump National, and and down in the D.C. area where I'm going to be going soon, and naturally ingratiated myself so that I might be able to get out and play some free golf. <laughs> Got to do that always. Um, but I mean, but what? And and you you all did um, what certainly what we tried to do as well when we were the ones covering the U.S. Open. I mean, tell the story of the qualifier. Tell right. the story of the person that, that got through sectionals in some insane like eight way playoff and made a birdie at dark and whatever. Well, you know, these guys, and there's a couple of guys uh, that have, you know, made cuts and whatever else. I mean, um, what I was saying to these players is, hey, man, uh, no, obviously have fun. But look, I mean, tee it up and shoot a number, man. Someone's going to, low man wins on Sunday. I mean, what the hell? And I think all these guys uh, have have a real understanding of who they are and what they are. And, and they represent proudly their clubs from back home. And and they've got all the people back there pulling for them. I just we'll, we will we will absolutely uh, share the stories and the details of them as as you know as is as is reasonable to do. Um, but but they're definitely part of the story in the in the same way the qualifiers are. Uh, I shouldn't say that. That's not the same way the qualifiers are because these guys these guys have earned their way in and they're pros. Um, but it's the same idea. Which name are you most excited about pronouncing during the week, and which name is still giving you fits in term of how in terms of how to say it, or do you feel like you're pretty pretty locked in? I will only call jazz jazz. <laughs> that's, I, I, that's who I thought I had that written down. Anyway, that's a that's a tough one. No, it's not a tough one. It's an impossible one. I will call <laughs> I will call jazz jazz and only jazz. Um, there, <laughs> there's a there's a. I'm trying to think if I should tell this story or not. How do I, um, uh, can I tell it? I think I can tell it. Well, I mean, it happened. It happened on TV. I won't identify the broadcaster there somehow or another Thomas Bjorn 
turned into Bjorn Borg for one of our <laughs> colleagues. And um, so I'm trying to figure out how I can work Bjorn Borg into the telecast. <laughs> but I mean, Jazz Janawatanan is <laughs> essentially, I think, I think I said it correct. But I think I would just go with Jazz. Yeah, it's like it's, share. It's like just, just make it like share. It's just print. easier. And you know what? That's a great. That's all you need. It's Jazz. Like you don't need yeah. anything better. Well, that's an unbelievable athlete. Right. Name. Like if his first name was if his first name was Fred, it would be harder. <laughs> like yeah, there's old Fred, but it's Jazz. Like it's like yeah, look at Jazz out there with the with the little club twirl. Huh? I see you. Go ahead, Jazz. Right. I mean, you could you could just sort of pass it off and let it drift into the ether. Online, you had uh, I saw on ESPN.com. You have Xander as your pick. It's a great pick. I, I, I did. I, I contend he is the most underrated player in golf, and I and I feel like he just his resume says exactly that. Uh, any particular reason outside of the fact that he's unbelievable that you went with him? Anytime we're asked to pick, I, I always just give a kind of a flippant sentence because I mean the idea that you can identify who's going to win it in a field of 150 some odd or 60 some whatever it is people is preposterous. Hell, it's hard to pick the winner of the Super Bowl, and there's two teams. So, <laughs> you know, I think I said Xander because I don't even remember what I said, but I'll tell you what I think, and, and that's that I think winning majors is largely a it's a process. It is, it is becoming comfortable, not making it more than it, it is, and being there with opportunities to do it. And He's done all those things. He's gotten out here. He clearly knows he's one of the best in the world. I think he's ranked just outside the top 10. I want to say it's 11. Uh, I mean, it does fluctuate, but whatever he's ranked, he's, 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 the, he's on that list of guys that if he won, in no way would it seem um, like an accident. It would seem entirely appropriate. And I think he, like out here, Long's really good off the tee, but it's not as, it, it's not as good as straight. Right. And I just, I, I trust, I trust him to, to, to put the ball in play and to shoot numbers. And I just think that guys like, you know, guys of his talent are, uh, are just bound to win one eventually. But you know, the, the thing about this is that, and we had this, we always seems like this conversation always comes up and I actually had it with David Duvall. David Duvall won one. Now, granted, he was born at the wrong time because there was a guy that was winning, you know, all of them. But like Dustin Johnson has won one, you know, just Justin Rose has won. Um, it, it Jason day has won. And in, in no way am I diminishing who they are as players. I think the point is like one's kind of a lot, right? You know? Especially now one's hard. Yes, exactly. One's hard to get. Because like when Shane Lowry wins at Port Rush last year, you go, yeah, I mean, you know, that's not that's not that's not all out of hand. I mean, that's that's sure. I mean, he's got the goods to do it. And and here's the thing: when it was his time, when it was his time to stand there and 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 you know deliver, he did. And the guy, and when you don't, that that can haunt you forever. Like I've I've said this a hundred times. Like I've, I've been convinced that Justin Rose is going to win the Masters. Well, he might have had his time, and and Sergio won it instead. And, you know, Greg Norman was supposed to win it however many times. David Duvall was supposed to win it. Ernie Els was supposed to win it. They never did. So I guess what I'm saying is when it comes to majors, like, and, and right now, for, for sure, the list of guys that if you said, uh, he's it, I'd go, yeah, okay, is, is feels longer than I can remember, you know? Yeah, I mean, Xander, 
I, I was looking this up because I liked your pick so much. I didn't steal it. I I, I picked Tiger just because I thought it was fun, and I never picked Tiger. But I saw I saw you tweet that. I'm like, good for you. Yeah, just it's I, fan, it. I never tweeted. I of course I never pick him ever ever ever. I didn't even pick him when he was winning them all, just because it was just such a it was such a homer pick. You know, hey, I like Duke this year. You know, people roll their eyes at you like, of course <laughs> yeah. you do. But yeah, uh, way to go, uh, Xander. Five top six finishes in his eleven major starts thus far in his career. Tiger starts his pro career. Three top six finishes in his first 11 majors. Rory had four top sixes in his first 11 majors. Now, they both had a win, one of their top six finishes, but it just shows how impressive Xander has been early on. I mean, he's he's been in contention in these situations a lot more than a lot of other players you expect to be there. You know, Justin Thomas, who is the best player in the world and has won a major title, has one top five in a major. That's it, and it was the win, so... Xander is a guy that has been on the train tracks a lot, and eventually the train's going to hit you. Yeah, I, I, that's that's that was it. I mean, it's it's sometimes. I mean, look, you're guessing, but I mean, I, you, you can at least make an informed guess. And I, I think I saw you tweeted out the thing about Nicholas that that oh run my, in the majors. It's unbelievable! Isn't it's, that the dumbest thing you've ever seen? Like, it looks true, fake. That it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> is is that that run for Nicholas? It just is preposterous. How do you not have a bad week? Like one bad week in 20 years. I just, it's, that is, you know, when you look at Tiger and you look at Jack, and I've always said this, you know, I'm a guy that gets in my own head when I am under the gun, especially in golf. You know, I tried to play pro for a while and it didn't work out and I would get nervous and I would, I would overthink stuff. And that was my problem. That was what I battled. I've never understood how someone can go into an event the favorite, favored by everyone, media, other golfers, you know, casual sports fans go into it and still win. You know, I just find that so impressive. And Jack did it for 25 years. You know, I mean, every single major he was there. And, and it's I mean, th- th- go look at the tweet because I don't know the numbers, but like the wins are obvious. But the seconds and thirds are just it's like, I mean, uh, it just is it makes no sense at all none that that you could be that consistently brilliant it's, and and you're and you're right i mean especially when um the expectation is is such that you, you can almost only fail right i mean you're and tiger certainly dealt with that too um but i mean like a guy I sit next to david and, and i'm so excited to do it to, for, uh, throughout these uh, these these days that we're out here you know, he had a window of time there and he just very casually, we were walking the golf course on, on Wednesday. And I was asking him about it. He's like, yeah, he's like, I, you know, you were at that, my first one that he won, which is in Williamsburg. And he said that, I think I won like 11 out of 33. <laughs> so, and he, and he just, he said it and he wasn't saying it to be a jerk. He right. just was say, it, it's, well, I mean, it's the truth. He was just reciting the facts, but imagine winning a third of the golf tournaments you played over a 33 tournament span. Well, that's what Duvall did. And, you know, I, I think that's what gives a guy a uh, frame of reference to, to, to weigh in when it comes to anything that might come up out here, which is what I, I, I appreciate so much. And he's also, he's not afraid to say like, not to be a jerk and not to try to rip people, but I think it's hard sometimes to be critical. And David's not critical in a mean way. I think he just if he says something that's not flowery, it's because it's what his eyes tell him. It was it was the Johnny Miller thing. You know, people would would kind of bag yeah, on Miller I think, at times. I, I, I thought he, I thought, I thought he got on. I mean, I thought he was unnecessarily. He, he said people choked a lot. I, that bothered me at times. But my my point on Johnny was 
you know, when you were unbelievable and, you know, Johnny and, and David Duvall actually have a lot of similarities. You know, I mean, I think they people thought they might win a lot more than they did. I mean, Duvall had a run, as yep. you've mentioned, that was unbelievable. But I, I always felt like Miller kind of was speaking like he was observing and at times it could get him in trouble. But I, I think, I think David does an unbelievable job in the booth. And I think you're exactly right. Sometimes it's helpful when they're honest because they're seeing what they see as who they are. You know, he was one of the best players in the world. And listen, to be, to be fair to Miller, like if, if that's, if that's what he thought and that's what he wanted to say, then like he, he's earned the right to say it. I, and I just, I just, I personally felt like there were times that it was unnecessarily harsh. There's a difference between saying you got to be able to make that shot and like ripping a dude. I right. felt like there were times that, you know, that, that, that it, 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 to me, it felt harsher than it needed to. But, you know, maybe I'm asking for both things here. I'm giving David credit for being honest and, and then I'm grading Miller harshly for being too harsh, but whatever. I mean, he, I mean, he had a, obviously had a hell of a run uh, in the booth for for NBC. Yeah. Last thing, uh, I have another podcast with my my buddy Max Homa. Obviously, in the field this week. Uh, I need get you. Let's let's just see what strings are you pulling to get Max on the coverage as much as possible? Because I know you're a fan of his as well. I think he's awesome. Uh, this is we are a meritocracy. Shane Bacon. It is. It is very simple. It's. It's hit. Hit it in the fairway. Hit it on the green. Make a putt. Well, what? What do you know? Max Homa's on the leaderboard. I mean, I'm, I'd be thrilled to show Max. It is entirely dependent on Max. Um, you know, I'm. He's going to pull the strings. I got you. Know? you. Tell I him like to hit it. it. Tell him to hit it. In the, tell him to hit it in the short grass. Hit it on the green, and then make putts. And you know, um, he's not going to have to do anything to earn the. You know, to earn our affection. I mean, I, I think. He's a, as you well know, uh, he is a, a great dude, and uh, I'd love to see him play well here this week. How many majors has he been in? I think this is his third or fourth. This is his second PGA yeah. Championship. He played and made the cut last year at Bethpage, and uh, and yeah, I mean he he's going to be in all the ones this year because obviously the win, and then he's played well. He definitely played unbelievable before uh, before the break. So uh, and and we saw him play well at the 3M. You had a, correct me if I'm wrong here because this is me trying to use my memory from. God knows how long ago. I think it was 2000. I feel like you were doing SportsCenter and Tiger opened with something like 65 and you were anchoring SportsCenter and alpha, back then it was alphabetical. I feel like now they put the name up on top of who they want. But you said it was like Kirk Triplett or something. And you said, you know, Triplett just said he wanted to be on top of a U.S. Open leaderboard after one day. And you said, sorry, man. And they went to the leaderboard and it was Tiger. 65 because I think they both shot the same score but I mean again this is 20 years ago but I feel like it was you in there and you had such a great line of like nah man this is Tiger in his prime we got to show him up top if it was a good line then it was me and it, it was definitely you, one. Yeah. And, but, 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 uh, it might have been it might have it might well have been <laughs> me um well I, I just it's so funny you mentioned Kirk Triplett he did uh, we're in San Francisco and across across uh Lake Merced at the Olympic Club. If you remember, this is a long time ago. This is '98. I'm taking it back even further. It was there was that controversial hole location on the 18th, and uh, Triplet putted it up. It started to roll back. He just went up and stopped it. He just stopped it and and took the penalty and said the hell with it. Like it was it was a bad hole location, and uh, and Triplet uh, it was it wasn't as, wasn't as egregious as Mickelson at Shinnecock, but it was the same kind of deal. It was just if the ball was going to roll back to his feet, and he decided no, it's not. No, it's not. But that's a different story. So sometimes we all have enough, especially on the golf course. But yeah, if if Max is on there, you know, I mean, he, 
You, you gotta I love got seeing it. him. You gotta love seeing him. He shaved the mustache. It's a good thing. Oh, they, that was glorious. It was uh, very few could pull it off, and he wasn't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, I appreciate. It. I didn't mean to take forty-five minutes of your time. Um, but it uh, happens every time we talk, and I it's know. my fault because you, I, I, I enjoy you. You know that. I think you're awesome, and I'm happy to do it anytime. Uh, well, I appreciate it. Uh, just what time are you guys getting going on Thursday? People are going to listen to this either Wednesday night or Thursday morning before the coverage. What time are you guys on, and where do you start? 10 a.m. Eastern time, um, 7 Pacific. That is on ESPN+. Plus. People will complain because people will say, oh, why is it on ESPN+. Plus? <laughs> well, it's, it's $4, for, for, I think, for a month of, of, of that, and you can see everything, okay? And it's a, we're, all, we're in a business. Everyone's trying their best. We're on ESPN+, Plus in the morning, and then at 4 Eastern, I want to say it's, it's ESPN. So it's a combination from 10... 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific, oh, excuse me, 10 p.m. Eastern. So 12 hours from ESPN Plus through ESPN, you can see all of the uh, coverage of the PGA Championship. Then on the weekend, we're on the same deal, ESPN Plus early, and then ESPN for a chunk of time. And of course, that's leading up to uh, our friends at CBS covering it over over the course of the weekend. Happy to work with uh, Jim and Lance Barrow doing his last uh, PGA Championship of his legendary career. So uh, we'll we'll be working our uh, our butts off, but happy as hell to be here. And uh, I hope folks enjoy watching the first major of the year. Oh, I I, I cannot wait. Over under on diet cokes you drink per day. What's the what are we setting the over under at? Shane, it's so bad. Is it? Are you like are you like double digits easily now? Yeah, yeah. It's a bad. It's it's bad. We all have have vices, man. It's okay. It's okay. It's It's better. It's better this than better this than party drugs. (laughs) Like imagine if I, if if every diet coke instead was like ecstasy, I would be I really would have a problem. Uh, but it isn't. I'm not taking twelve hits of ecstasy. I'm just drinking diet coke. That's all it is. So it's it's a lot. That would if you did the Can ecstasy, you, imagine? you would be wow, asking. Van David. Pelt's rolling his balls off. Van Pelt's rolling his balls <laughs> off when he's calling the PGA Championship. That would uh, that would. You know what? Maybe my last one. Maybe when I'm really old and I just want to go out with a bang. We'll just, you know what? I, maybe not. Let's pass on that. Hey, we'll, 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 talk, that. we'll talk about it offline and we'll see. You're, if you're <laughs> sitting in David Duvall's lap at some point, we know we know that's your last major championship. <laughs> right. If I'm telling him you're the best and we're hugging each other. Yeah, it's just the whole thing was going off the rails. You're like, wow, Van Pelt, that's what happened. Well, how did we end up talking about about exorbitant drug use at the end of the Shane. How'd that happen? It happens at the 45 minute mark. Every time we always get to drugs and then go. we go off. That's Scott Van Pelt. <laughs> uh, you know where to find him. I don't need to tell you where to follow him on Twitter, but do, do this, do yourself a favor, subscribe to the podcast and listen to the Chris Kirk episode. Cause it is awesome and it's powerful. And I promise you, you will be done with the episode and be a Chris Kirk fan for life. That's Scott Van Pelt. You're going to see him a lot on your TV this week. Thank you, Shane. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. That'll do it. Hope you guys enjoyed the preview. Hope you enjoy the coverage all week long on ESPN and CBS. I'm excited. If you don't follow me on Twitter, I will be, you know, an- annoying your timeline, I guess, at Shane Bacon. Uh, and uh, and you can follow the Clubhouse as well, at the Clubhouse Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. On Insta- my picked videos won't upload correctly, so I don't post as much as I do. But uh, that doesn't matter because we have a major, and that's what I care about. Hope you guys enjoy the coverage. Hope you guys enjoy the week. 
And, uh, and we'll be back next week to talk about the PGA Championship and to discuss who won the first major as we roll right back into another one because that's what's going to happen, and that is what the season is about. Thanks so much for listening. You are why we do this. The Clubhouse with Shane Bacon is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.